Welcome to Energetic Radio. I am your host, Dale Sybottom. Join me each week as I bring you amazing guests and interviews from some of the world's best operators. They will teach us how to bring fun, energy, and joy into each and every day. Let's get stuck in. Welcome to episode number 76 of the podcast. And today we're to, we're really talking about determination and resilience. And what better guest to have on than Michael Barlow? Now, for those who haven't heard of Michael Barlow, he's an AFL footballer who has had setback after setback after setback. And his resilience and determination is like no other. Um, his story from being overlooked in the draft to, you know, going back and playing country footy and then making it VFL and then making it on a list. And from there, he was dominating. He was nearly going to win a Brownlow. And then all of a sudden, he broke his leg and so on and so on and so on. But from there, he has forged a fantastic football career with 138 games to this date. And not only that, his story is inspirational. Um, The message that will come across in today's podcast is one that everybody can listen to because the power of your mind, not giving up and enjoying what you're doing is so important in life. So enjoy my chat with Mickey Barlow. Mickey Barlow, how are you, legend? Good, Sidey. How are you, mate? You going well? Going really well, mate. And, uh, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your day to join me. Now, we just had a little chat off here. You're living up in the Gold Coast at the moment. What, uh, what's what been happening this morning? You're living a life of leisure. <laughs> I am this morning, mate. It's, um, you know, the, the elite athlete lifestyle painted out is... Um, you know, all rainbows and lollipops, but today it actually is. It's a very nice day on the Gold Coast, probably about 25 degrees. Got the day off training, um, so just been down the beach, had my porridge down there, um, and just sat and reminisced about um, the week that's been so far. So, no, just um, having, yeah, as you said, as you said, just having a day of leisure today. Nice, mate, and uh, I can see why you're enjoying the Gold Coast. Down in Victoria, mate, where you're from, it is bitterly cold and it uh, doesn't look like there's any rainbows or sunshine in the near future whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that does bring, back, does bring back a few memories. The, um, the cold nights, well, way back when, we were with Shep, Sheppy and I, well, probably when I was playing footy against you in the early days, probably in the mid-2000s, um, the cold nights at footy training and... Um, yeah, the frosty mornings. So, no, don't, don't envy you at the moment. Very happy up here. <laughs> I bet you are, mate. Now, today's episode, I really want to talk about your journey. And for people listening around the world, AFL, um, if you don't know what that is, that's Australian real football. It's probably the greatest game ever created. Um, your journey has been a little bit different than most. So, like all sports, most people get picked up out of high school or at a uni- like straight out of TAC Cup, for our instance, and go into the AFL and start playing. But your journey was a little bit different, mate. You never actually played TAC Cup, and then it took you quite a lot longer than most to basically get there. Do you want to? You probably you'll be able to tell your story a lot better than I can, mate. Do you want to just explain everyone? You know, um, obviously, probably the disappointment of not making TAC Cup first, and you know, then how you actually went about to living out your dream like you are now. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a bit of a journey, obviously, but um, also a very uh, fulfilling um, journey that I've, I've had. I've sit here at the moment, I've played, this is my ninth season in the AFL, and um, it's definitely had its, uh, had its ups and downs, but um, as did my you know, journey to, to actually make the top grade. So, um, I'm quite used to the uh, the roller coasters that come up, come along with um, you know setbacks and, and adversities, but you know those early days. I think when I was playing 
you know, we just went, I was growing up, growing up in Shepparton and, um, you know, going to school and um, playing all the local, local sports, playing football, playing cricket, playing tennis, playing it all. Um, I just loved doing it. Basketball, whatever was going, I'd just um, try my hand at. And that was kind of, that was pretty much, you know, a really blessed upbringing to be around a lot of people that enjoyed the same things and just loved playing sports. And I never had any real... I suppose I did have aspirations to, to play elite sport, but probably just didn't have um, the ability at that, at, at that early age. And I think what does happen a lot um, nowadays, especially in, in AFL, is kids are um, identified as young as probably 10 or 11. And um, if you're kind of not in the mix around that age, or um, especially around probably 13, 14, 15 years of age, then it becomes really difficult. And that was my situation. I was always, I've always maintained that I was, I was handy enough um, at, at football, you know, in probably my mid-high school years, but um, just wasn't at the level of, of some of the really high-end performers. And, um, yeah, so just didn't, didn't make the grade in those, those representative sides for, for a long, long time. And um, I think it, looking back on it, it it's really, um, it's really helped me and, and helped shape my life. So, um, yeah, that, that was, I probably always had the belief and, and the drive that I could compete at those, those levels and, and match it. Um, but I was probably a late developer as well and probably only kind of fully filled out into my body when I was probably 19 or 20. Um, uh, yeah, and then, and then got my crack a bit later on. Yeah, I love that, mate, and I think that's a joy of growing up in the country, and I know, um, like I said, my playmate, I think you're a bit hard on yourself because uh, your cricket and footballing ability back in the day was next level, mate, and it still is now. All of that along, did you ever give up um, on, you know, that you may not make it into the AFL when you're playing at Shep United, and I know it was a very successful period for you, and then obviously playing VFL, which is the second probably highest league in the country, so you're playing very good footy still, but... You know, you weren't making the AFL. You weren't getting picked up. I know you were training at clubs and that, but did you ever give up? Um, well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. And I probably had opportunities too. And um, as I said, so I didn't, didn't play any of the representative stuff all through the, through the underage um, and just really focused on my schooling and, and thought, um, you know, I've really maintained throughout my high school years that my schooling um, was very important and, and that... Um, I'd put, put, you know, as much effort into that as I did into my sport because that was going to, you know, put food on the table and pay the bills down the track. But um, when, when I was playing, um, Shep, I was as busy as I ever was, I reckon, when I was at uni and I was playing local footy, training, doing the extra training to, to try and, you know, bear a really good standard um, at the local level as well as, you know, fulfilling university commitments and then obviously probably having to pick up a little bit of work um, every now and then to have enough money to survive. So all those experiences, um, you know, I probably had some opportunities to, to take the easier option and, um, you know, either um, just put less time into, into my football or, or into my sport or into my uni. But I um, was probably yeah, as busy as I ever was back then. Um, and I think that just helped me really grind out, um, you know, interest from from AFL clubs when I was um, playing just at the local level and just really enjoying it. And that, that's, I've always maintained it, that as long as you're enjoying it, um, 
that's the main thing. And I was loving just playing local football and, and eventually it just, it all kind of snowballed and I started to play really, really well. Um, and unbeknown to me, some significant people at Sheppard United, Craig Blizzard, um, the kind of footy operations manager there at Sheppard United, put, put me on the radar of some AFL clubs um, to come and have a look. And, and from there, it just really did, it didn't take off straight away, I suppose, because some clubs were interested and I went down and did some pre-seasons. And, um, and then from there, uh, really probably started to understand maybe the potential of fulfilling that dream, which seems a million to one, probably only six or 12 months earlier or all, all growing up through, through school, um, school days. So there were opportunities to give up, but I think um, after that, when I was 19 years of age and playing my second year of just senior football in the local level in the Golden Valley, um, without Craig Wizard's influence and, and getting some scouts to come and have a look at me, um, I don't think I would have had an option to give up because I'd, uh, I just would have never been on a radar. And then once I was put on the radar, um, you know, the next two years of, of BFL football and eventually getting my chance in the AFL um, was, you know, I was really driven to, to make it, and, um, you know, for myself, but also for my family and for a lot of people that had um, probably believed in me along the way. Yeah, mate, I love that. And I think some great messages from what you just said there. And it really comes back, if you're enjoying what you're doing, it's going to come natural and um, good things will happen. And I think uh, because you're enjoying it and you're giving so much to the club, people like Craig Blizzard want to put themselves out there, you know, and, and really do the best they can for you because they can see how hard you're working and how much it means to you. So, mate, that's a great story. I love it. And one of the things I like asking people is just about great experiences or great memories. What was it actually like when uh, you got picked up in the rookie draft and you went to Fremantle. What was that feeling like when you found out that you were going to be on an AFL club? So, I'd, yeah, I've, lost, I've, <clears throat> I've gone into a fair bit of detail about, about the journey, but it's probably not even, you know, a quarter of it really and, and the setbacks and the, the knockbacks in that two-year period. The really, the period of, and I, I'm, I'm really strong on the fact in my journey, if I probably had have got drafted out of the Golden Valley League and in um, 2007, it wasn't a play. There, I'm not convinced I would have gone on and had a successful AFL career. I might have, but from there, um, it, that it all just popped up on me within the space of probably two or three months that I might be a chance here to sneak onto a rookie list, and and I might have been content with that, and that might have been, um, you know, maybe a year or two of experience, then it, then out the door, but. The fact that I got identified and then had to go go away and got got the initial rejection and go away and play at the high level and prove that I could play, you know, at that state league level and play really well and then get two or three more rejections at the end of that first year um, and then to get um, yeah the national draft in 2009 have have spoken to ten clubs and kind of think this this is it this is going to be the moment um, and then get rejected again and then the I remember after that period and I've told this story a few times that um, you know the two years at Werribee were um, again probably well were absolutely an, um, an increased sacrifice I had to make to commit probably about 25 hours a week to, to football and, and gym work and training and recovery 
at the state league level, all, all, all whilst doing some part-time work and some uni. So late nights, early mornings, um, and all with, without any real financial um, remuneration. Um, but, you know, with the aspiration to, to prove to myself and to, to get to make a career of this AFL thing, I always had that burning desire to get there. And my mum and dad were huge in, in um, you know, supporting and continually, um, you know, providing just, I suppose, an ear to listen to when you're, when you're feeling feeling flat um, or some of these setbacks I had, which I'll go into now. But the, the day that draft came along and I'd spoken to 10 clubs and I thought, this is, you know, a fair chance here, but just still, still no sure thing. And a few of my, few of my mates came around and watched the draft on the night. And um, I wasn't really keen to, to make it too public or get too many people around. Um, as, you know, you know, know the potential of, of not getting picked. But mum and dad came as well. And, um, and I remember just the, the overwhelming, um, you know, sense of, I think I was really heartbroken when I didn't get picked up that night. But um, you know, my mum pretty much looked at me and she was really emotional about it because she sees the sacrifice you make and the effort you put in to, to achieve the dream. And she just said, do you want to keep doing this? Because you know, it, she goes, it won't define you. It won't, um, it won't make anyone think any less of you if you don't end up making it. But she would see the sacrifice and the hurt and, and the continual rejection. Um, so, and then I think it was about another two or three weeks until the rookie draft. And, um, yeah, I, I was pretty keen. It was on a Tuesday morning and I was pretty keen just to follow it on the internet on my, on my own, just in case that no, <laughs> nothing popped up. And, um, but yeah, not, not, not too many people were around to, to actually experience, you know, another rejection, but mum, um, and we all know how, you know, significant roles mothers play in your, your lives. Mum came, came uh, down from Shep that that morning and said, I don't care, I'm, I'm going to be there regardless um, of what happens. And um, you gotta, I'll get a bit emotional talking about it because she watched, I'd been told that morning um, by Marty Pask, who's now my manager, that Fremantle would take me at the very worst with their second rookie pick. But I didn't tell mum this because this would have set up World War Three if, if they had <laughs> gone back on the air. Um, but she did... Um, so I didn't tell her, but I sat there with the computer and, and parents of that generation probably don't really know what's going on on the computer screen. They're very good at it now. But, um, I was following the live feed and it eventually popped up with pick eight that you know, Michael Bowler is going to, to Fremantle on the rookie list and she hadn't seen it. I just said to her, well, yeah, go, on to, go on to Fremantle. And that, that moment um, to this day would be um, you know, on the podium in, in terms of special moments in my life because... Um, yeah, for mum to be able to to be there with me when you know all all the hard work that you've done and and the the sacrifice and, and the involvement that they have with with um with with me like the, as you know parents would just all the sports I listed when I was growing up that I wanted to do and wanted to play and they they'd just do it they'd work a full day or and have five kids wanting to do this that and that other but they'd always make an effort to to get you to wherever you need to be and um. To, to have her there that morning um, to get picked up on a rookie list, and you know that that was only that that was the beginning of my AFL journey. But the effort to get there um, was yeah quite extreme, and, and to share that was yeah, very phenomenal. 
Mate, that, uh, I'm sitting here just getting goosebumps. I know people listening around the world that parents sacrifice and they want to do everything for their kids, but then also seeing the rejection and, uh, you know, that maybe it might not have happened. So I, I love the fact that, you, were, you know, back in the day, you were sitting just watching your computer screen and everything like that. Now, one of the things I've just taken from all that, mate, is that did when you got to Fremantle and obviously you went there as a rookie and everything like that, did you straight away look around at everyone and feel like um, you'd earned your place more and that you had something more to give than everybody else that had basically just gone and, you know, I'm sure they worked hard and I'm not saying that, but nobody's, not many people's journey is like yours and, and you're sort of a pioneer in the late sort of rookie draft. I know a lot more people are doing it now, mate, but did you have a desire or a different burn than others, you reckon, because of what you'd gone through? Uh, yeah, I think, I, as I alluded to earlier in, in the podcast, that um, if I had got picked up, and the rookie chance out of just playing at Sheffield United, I'll, I probably wouldn't have been ready because it would have just all popped up in me. And um, the jump from local league to, to the state league is quite big, but local league to the AFL is, is enormous. So um, that all helped shape me and um, helped, helped prepare me, I think, for, for what I was going to, to step into, um, you know, the training loads, the, um, the, the, the gym programs. I wouldn't have done... Like when I was yeah, when I was going up at school, I'd go to the gym, but you kind of just do one size fits all. But the, the slow transition through local footy to state league level, where you had had some access to some some people in the know in terms of um, gym programs and all that, really did help. And I did, but then I think yeah, further to your point is that mentally, when I got the opportunity to, as, as excited as I was and as thrilled as I was to get the chance on a rookie list. I knew that was only the beginning. And um, I remember saying in a few of my interviews to, to clubs when I was getting interviewed for the draft process that I said, oh, I'm not going to be a one to two year player. I'm, I'm going to make a career out of it. And a few of them took it a bit like, well, it's not really sometimes you're, you know, you might get injured or you might, but I just had this burning desire to make it work. And I was aware that yeah, once I got the rookie list opportunity, you're back at the bottom of the barrel again. You're the 45th picked on the list pretty much and you've got to start to prove your worth all over again. So um, it was nothing new to me and, and um, you know, I was really excited by what, yeah. came, what was to come ahead and I suppose being, I was 21 years old, so a little bit more wise and, and mature physically and probably mentally than some of the other, other guys that had come in and I couldn't have gone to a better club. It was um, a club that was, you know, Starting, starting again a little bit. Probably the second, third year of a, of a rebuild where um, I had so many of the of blokes around the same age demographic of me at the time. Like um, you know, Stephen Hill was there, and that five came in. Um, yeah, so it was pretty exciting, and um, yeah, it seems it seems it seems a lifetime ago now, but. Um, it was all, all good times. Nice, man. I, I think that's great. And you can you can just tell by, you know, your story that, of course, you had the determination to kill. Now, let's get into that first season. Obviously, as a rookie, you impress the hell out of them in that preseason. And that first season, you're, you're just dominating, mate. You're playing well. And I think it was around 13 or around 14. You could probably pick me up. But you were nearly favourite to win the Brownlow. And then all of a sudden, bang, you, you broke your leg, mate. And the sort of... 
Uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just remember watching on going, oh, no, the poor bugger, like, he's done all this hard work and then it's, it's just gone bang and it, you know, he's leading the brown, like, he's doing all this, mate. What what was the emotion like, obviously, starting out and just going really well and living your dream and, and like, playing your average in 25 to 30 touches a game, which is outstanding. Um, what, what happened when you broke your leg against Port Adelaide? Mm. Um, yeah, well, I've been through this a fair bit across the journey, but I, I was um, really glass half full with, you know, the first year it kind of did, it happened all really quickly and it was around 14, I think, and as you said, I got, you know, the first establishment spot in the side and then started to play really well and um, I was just, it's, oh, and I stand by this, it was, it was as easy, playing at that level, was as easy as playing it, or easier I felt than playing it at local level, just because the, the enhanced skills of, of the players around you and um, and just their their abilities just made made me a lot better, and um, and also being put into a, a full time training program, um, I shouldn't say it was it was easy, it was by no no stretch easy, but I felt you know I adapted really well, and I, I've never. Since that first year, it just it has become a lot harder. I think the game's become a lot more demanding because there, there is a bit more pressure on you, you personally um, once you establish, establish yourself in the game. And opposition clubs are more aware of probably what your what your pros and cons are. So um, yeah, I remember thinking it was it was yeah like a dream the first half of that first year, and um, it all came crashing down pretty quickly, as you said, with the with the broken leg um, in round fourteen. Um, but as I said, I've been asked the question a lot about, you know, you must feel hard done by it. You've done all this hard work to get into the system. And then once you get into the system, you've, you've, you've gone down with a significant injury. But at the same time, um, the glass half full in me was really, if it had happened 12 months earlier, then the opportunity to probably even get picked up with such a significant injury, which was a career-threatening injury, um, probably might not have existed. You know, clubs would... And yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't begrudge them for thinking, oh, it's a bit ri- bit of a risk. But um, you know, I'd had a two year contract extension at, at that point, and um, I was able to launch into my rehab and um, had time on my side, and you know, really experienced and professional personnel around me to get me back on on track. Um, it did take a while, but we eventually got back out there, and um, yeah, it's been it's uh, all been part of the journey. Yeah, nice, mate. I think uh, you got that extension on your contract just because of what you were able to do. You just blew the socks off people. And as I said, you probably changed the way people view mature age players coming in because you're ready made and you come in and you're a ball magnet at the start. Now, breaking a leg is a significant injury. And I know if you, if people are listening, you go on YouTube and look at it, I, it still gives me cringes looking at it, mate. But um, resilience is a big word these days. And uh, obviously you had so many setbacks, you had a broken leg, how did you, you know, build yourself up to want to not only have trust in your body again, your leg, and come back and play at the highest level, but just yeah. to keep pushing? Because it, at this stage in your life, you're 21 or 22, and it just feels like everything was against you, mate. You'd finally get a win. You'd finally get a little bit, but then, bang, something else would happen. How, how did you keep just pushing and, and building up the resilience? Um, I think, yeah, it was all a combination of my upbringing. I think... Um yeah, nothing really ever came easy for me in terms of, um, you know, I feel like resilience is something that you really um, adapt to and, and build on over a long period of time. And 
Um, you know, I, had a, I had a really good upbringing. I'm not <laughs> never never begrudge my upbringing. I, but at the same time, I probably wasn't never the uh, as I've alluded to, never the most talented um, footballer or cricketer or whatever I tried my hand at. I was I was always handy enough, but never at that top end. And, and the same kind of can be said about my schooling. Um, you know, my my brother was a maths genius um, doing year twelve maths when he was in year seven. Um, her, my oldest brother was you know, naturally bright. My younger brother, you know, very clever, and, and sister also. Um, and I, I probably didn't come as naturally to me, so I'd really work hard at everything I tried my hand to. So I think it's kind of it's like probably when you go to the gym and you you want to get fitter or you want to get um, stronger, um, it just builds over time. And I feel that's where my resilience has, has come from. And you know, I, I needed it probably in spades in that um, second and third year of my AFL career because just the, the initial um, recovery from the broken leg was was not too bad because it, you don't have too much expectation on yourself. But I did have a few setbacks and um, a few moments of, um, I suppose, real angst in terms of, you know, some pain that, that was lingering and, and not allowing me to, to run naturally or, or move like I would have liked. And... Um, yeah, eventually it just it just clicked. It took about two years, I think, to kind of I became relatively pain free. I still get some lingering effects from from that injury years and years ago, probably just because you push through it as an elite athlete, you're trying to find ways to uh, to bend the rules and, and and get back quicker than you probably should. But um, yeah, I think it was yeah, the most challenging couple of years of my, my career were probably that second and third year when I did get back playing but was was way off the standard that I knew I could achieve and had achieved in that first year and um, yeah some self-doubt did creep in um, but again the support networks from the football club but as well as you know close friends and family to to reiterate you know that you're, you're valued and you're gonna you're going to be able to push through it and um, it was very significant. Yeah, nice, mate. And, and you did bounce back from that. I think you played over 100 games for Freo, which is, you know, in a really good era. And I can, you know, you were a very good side from there. Now, you, you've also faced, you're at a different club now. So as you mentioned, you're up on the Gold Coast at Gold Coast Suns. Um, I want to just get your opinion on this. And I don't want you to throw yourself under the bus or anything like that, mate. But what's the difference you've noticed in being at two different clubs? Have you learnt different things from the way they operate, from different mentors, from different coaches you've had? Um, is, is, there much, is there much of a difference, even though it's in the same competition? Yeah, there is. And um, I'm, I'm, everyone wants to become a... Well, everyone, when they get into the AFL system, are really keen to be one-club players. And, um, you know, that's ultimately what, what you'd really like to do. But... You know, I feel really blessed to have, have experienced life now at, at two different AFL clubs, and um, it's yeah, I think it'll, it'll really hold me in good stead going forward because you, you see how two different high-end organisations work, um, two different sports science departments work, two different coaching groups how they work. So I've had I think four, five different senior coaches across my nine-year um, journey, and um, I've learnt different little nuances from, from all of them and, and some really good ones. Um, some, some that I'll really um, prosper from and, and then some maybe to avoid, not to, not to name any at, at all, but they've all, all had their really, um, yeah, they've all had their, 
their, their pros and cons on me. Um, but, yeah, and, and also, I, I suppose, playing in Perth, you know, really football-mad um, place and, and then moving to the Gold Coast where football starting to develop and emerge um, and, and at a club that has really been chasing its tail since its inception and, and we're working really hard to, to make it... Um, football really relevant here on the Gold Coast and, and what will really assist that is um, the success and longevity of, of the club itself. So, um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed both experiences and, um, yeah, who knows what's in store next, but it's, um, it's yeah, it's definitely helped me for, for future endeavours and, 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 as I said, what will come next. Yeah, nice. I, I think that's so true. And you only learn by, you know, following or watching or being part of different organisations. And so to have the experience you've had at two different powerhouse clubs in, in different ways um, is fantastic. Now, um, you know, I always ask my guests this because, um, yeah, I got it asked to me a while ago and it, it's a really good question, I thought. Anyway, you may think differently, but um, if you could uh, look back at uh, Mickey Barlow, 18-year-old at Notre Dame College in Shepparton, and you could give yourself one bit of advice right now. Um, so something you've learned along your journey from your setbacks, from the resilience, the ter- de- determination you've got, the different clubs, the different coaches – what one bit of advice would you give yourself sitting there at Notre Dame College as an eighteen-year-old? You could have, um, yeah, you could have prepped me for this one. But while <laughs> when I was when I was in year twelve, I was actually at Assumption College. Sorry, um, mate, I, more, I should have remembered that. That's that's all right. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, I I think the one yeah the one thing I would have loved to have known when I was nineteen or well, when I was you know that late teenage years, early 20s, was to really seek out as much expertise from people that know. Well, well, people that are experienced in in certain fields as you can. Um, I'm probably finding that a little bit now with, you know, say within my given field within the AFL, I've really, um, despite some probably personal adversity and... um, Things probably not going as well as I would have liked um, at, at times at the latter end of my career. I've really um, had a lot of joy and a lot of fulfilment in helping younger players, not just with football but with life stuff and, um, and their, their willingness to learn and their willingness, well, their willingness, but also, you know, there is some apprehension early. And that was exactly what I was like when I was 18, 19, 20. Um, very apprehensive to, to seek assistance and seek some, some clarity on certain things because you, you, you don't probably feel like um, you're in a position um, to probably annoy some certain people with your time. But I know now at this age um, and kind of the experience I've had along the way that I love that and I love helping others and I get as much um, excitement at the moment out of you know watching younger players that I've helped assist their careers along the journey, like Lockie Neal, I, I feel like I had a significant, well, I shouldn't say significant, but a, a role to play in his um, early years at Fremantle, and now you know, he's one of the top two or three uh, ball-winning midfielders in the competition, and then more recently here in the Gold Coast, I've really enjoyed working with guys like Charlie Ballard, um, who aren't, won't, won't be household names for, for a time, but... Um, you know, I'm really confident in guys like Charlie, but if I can have a, a small 
influence on his career, both on the field and off the field, that in four or five years' time I can sit back and, and enjoy watching watching their careers flourish and um, have a little bit of a um, yeah, knowledge in my head that I might have played a little, little role and, and that they're going to be really successful young men um, going forward in their own right. It's a uh, really sort of satisfying thing to have, mate, that you, you're really making a difference on these young guys and sharing that knowledge and wisdom that you've gained over your years and um, the setbacks you've had. So is that something you see yourself doing? Like, obviously, your career's still going well, mate. You're playing good footy, and I'm not saying it's the end of it, but once those days are over and you hang the boots up, is that something you see yourself doing, mate, going down the mentoring, sort of coaching sort of role? Yeah, probably it probably wasn't um, early in my career, in the mid stages of my career, and it's something um, you know I'm, I'm aware of the, the fact that football will not at all last forever. And I suppose the way my years gone this year, it's um, yeah I've been really prepared with with what might be next, um, while still holding out aspiration to play on it and, and play as long as you can. You've got to have your, your plan B, C, and D in in the works, and I've really done that um, quite. Pro- proactively over the past few years definitely but um you know really significantly this year and yeah over the last two or three years as i've got a bit older and a bit wiser in the game i've i've really enjoyed um the mentorship a lot more and and analyzing the game a little bit whether i want to go full-time into to coaching and be um stay in the system it's something i'm i can I'll, i'll consider and see what pops up but at the same time, I've done. I've been in the AFL system now nine years, and um, whether it's time to try something something different, um, see what the big world, wide, big wide world has for me. Um, yeah, but I think it's all the skill sets, uh, all the skills I've, I've been able to put in my skill set um, in the AFL environment. Um, you know, will really help me in whatever I decide might be next, whether it be, um, you know, as, as I said, coaching or. Or player management, something I might be interested in because you can you say about player management or something. Yeah, so you're just uh, and guys listening at home, sorry about that. It's just dropped out. So yeah, Mickey, you're just talking about player management, and obviously that might be an avenue that you'll go down uh, once your career is done, when that is. Yeah, it is. So as I said, the coaching stuff interests me a fair bit, and then um, but also yeah, player management, having a having a direct role in. Um, athletes in their careers, I, I find that really aspirational and really, um, yeah, inve- I probably see my future and my skill set as being able to adapt to investing in people and um, some of the life experiences I've probably had along the way um, as a player myself, um, I think could relate to a wide range of, of players I've experienced the highs and, and going really well, going to grand finals, being in really successful teams and um, and then, you know, the other end of the spectrum at times, you know, having challenges with, um, having challenges with uh, form myself and uh, injury and, and then team form as well. So that's another thing I, that, again, without playing in the AFL, I never would have considered. Um, and I feel I'm in a really fortunate position that um, having been in the system for now nine years, that things open up and, um, you know, I'd be... Um, silly not to at least entertain some ideas of, of doing stuff like that. 
Yeah, I, mate, so true. And I think the <laughs> the skill sets from what you've gained in every your, your entire journey, and that's all I wanted to share. It's such an awesome journey, mate. And uh, the highs and the lows, you've probably reached uh, pinnacles of both. So just one final question, as I know, mate, uh, time's precious. But in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, when people bring up your name, Michael Barlow, what do you reckon they'll say about you? What would you like to be remembered for? Yeah, I just think, I, I think about it. The, the past couple of days has been um, a fairly sobering couple of days in terms of two of you know, my close teammates have retired. Uh, Matt Rosa retired on, on Tuesday, and Lee Spur, who I played up with Fremantle for a long time, retired. And just what, I, what you naturally do when... When something like that happens, you just you think about the person and, and reflect on them as and and how how significant they were and those two in particular I look at as really amazing teammates and and blokes that you just love playing with because the trust the level of trust I had in in Spurry for five years I played with him and then Rosa only the last two years and we both had our injury concerns and selection dramas but when we've been on the field together those two guys I just look at them as Tremendous teammates and blokes that you couldn't, you would never, you'd walk out with, um, and just, you know, things might not go their way personally on the day, and they might make some mistakes, but geez, they'd give, give their effort and, um, would give yourselves every opportunity through the effort they brought, and, and I think that's what I really relate to. I'd like to be remembered, you know, from the playing perspective as someone that just emptied the tank and, and left nothing no stone unturned on any given day or, or with when my career said and done um, in my career. And, and then as a person, I'd like to think, as we kind of talked about over the last four or five minutes, about influencing others and, and having a positive impact on on um, those around me. That would make me um, you know, quite fulfilled in terms of having having done myself and my family really proud in, in, um, in a public space in the AFL. Yeah, well, mate, just from sitting on from someone that grew up watching you and playing against you and with you, um, the 138 games, mate, has been bloody impressive, to put it anything else. And the influence you've had on a country town and a nation and uh, the positive reinforcement of all that, mate, has been really impressive. So I know people that are listening to this journey of yours and may not have heard of AFL because we do have people listening from all around the world that, you know, it really just shows that what resilience and determination can do and how strong your mind can be when you really want to push it. So um, thanks so much for your time today, Mickey. I really appreciate it, mate. And, uh, yeah, thanks for your words of wisdom, legend. No worries, so I really appreciate it, mate. And, um, yeah, hope, hope everyone listening maybe took just something a little out of it if, if, uh, if something at all.